Hello everyone and welcome back to MVGB, the monthly video game briefing in which we brief you about video games every month. This is a great name for this concept. I think it's, uh, it's absolutely perfect. And uh, today we are going to be talking about E3 2019, break down the most important aspects of the industry, industry trends, no trends, uh, that we have that we have observed and are uh, discerning, and we're also going to be talking, of course, about the games that we think are worth your attention um, with E3 2019. My name is Patrick Beja, and along with my good friend Scott Johnson, we are exhausted. Right? Yeah, I think a that's little, a fair a assessment. Spent. Yeah, I'm a little spent. It's so funny because yesterday. Um, I had a whole bunch of shows to do that were not E3 related, but the E3 stuff screwed me up and I ended up putting the wrong dates on a couple of shows. I put the wrong uh, episode numbers. I forgot to upload an RSS feed for a show that happened like early in the morning and then I didn't do it till later in the afternoon. Like I blame it all on just E3 overload. Well, it's always a crazy time for, for gaming fans and gaming uh, journalists, I suppose. Um, it's a joyous time, of course. It's like our Super Bowl, our Christmas. It's, it's very exciting. But also, um, there are, I, I counted, we literally covered 10 conferences or covered or watched 10 conferences in the span of four days. Um, mm -hmm. And, and we, for many of them, we covered live and all of that. So it does take its toll. But uh, we do it. Well, I was going to say we do it for you, but really we do it for ourselves because we like doing it. <laughs> But also, added benefit, uh, we can talk about all of this, hopefully with a little bit of knowledge and understanding of what's been happening. And um, I guess the most important slash interesting thing is uh, happening as a, an industry changing, defining uh, uh, evolution that is taking place with... It's, it's a two-prong uh, evolution, Scott, and yeah. two-pronged means there are two things happening. Would you care to tell us what those two things are? Unless you disagree with my assessment. And in that case, uh, just say what you want. I don't care. I think you're correct about these trends. I think that there is an important third tier to mention, which is who will best transcend from the current models and trends to these new trends the most uh, handily and i feel like right now microsoft might be the ones to do it mm. uh, but i'll explain what they are basically your two trends in your mind are streaming and subscriptions and you're right i think that streaming video games and for those i mean this is this is what's fun about this show is because we're talking to a group of people that are you know more tech oriented maybe less hardcore gamerish but they're interested in that industry they're interested in gaming in, in you know some fashion and um, when you hear streaming, you might thinking, wait, what streaming? Is that like Twitch? What do you mean? And, and my answer would be, no, no, no. We're talking about a technology that has been kind of in the works for a long time. If you remember a service called OnLive, then and you're old enough to remember or at least have been around for some of this uh, evolution. But we're entering into a phase where Internet connections are fast enough. And the technology has gotten good enough where we can stream the experience, the fully interactive experience of a video game via your broadband connection to a television or screen of some sort or device. Uh, and you'll be able to play those with relatively imperceptible latency. 
and it's as full a video game as you would otherwise have bought on a disc or downloaded. It's just now being delivered to you in this way. And those services are absolutely a trend that is heading our direction. Google with their streaming only kind of solution, Microsoft with a bit of a hybrid, and Sony with an unyet unknown plan moving forward and in nintendo just sort of being nintendo and not mm. really addressing nintendo nintendo does what nintendo does uh it's, yeah. a, it's often on the fringes of what the others do um uh, we're, we're, so that we don't get emails of course sony does have playstation now uh so it's already yeah. in the game but it's kind of a uh, uh something they're paying less attention to and this is probably going to be shifting in the next generation. Um, and so, indeed, the streaming technology is uh, ready for um, general consumption. And Stadia, uh, Google announced Stadia with um, essentially a console without a console is what I keep repeating. They We suspected they might do ch things a little bit differently and offer a subscription service, um, which is the other uh, big important aspect of what's been happening at E3, but they don't. They are just of offering the um, uh, service and you need to buy the games that you want on that service, just like you would for a regular console, which was a little bit of a surprise. But this meshes very well with subscriptions, which is the uh, other part of it, because some publishers and some developers might want to offer a subscription service, which would be available on PC because it is the open platform and it's easy to implement. Uh, so to, for a certain fee, you will have access to all of that publisher's uh, catalog uh, or library. But they don't have a streaming solution. Well, that's where Google uh, arrives and happens. And uh, they seem very willing to let anyone uh, be present on their Stadia service, including publishers that offer subscriptions, which means... If you are subscribed to, let's say, the newly announced Ubisoft Uplay Plus, which gives access to all of Ubisoft's games, um, once Stadia launches, it will also be available on Stadia. And uh, that means Ubisoft is able to reach any customer that can run Stadia um, incredibly easily. So that means they are not constrained to the PC on one hand, and they are also not constrained to um, the, 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 the console manufacturer's relationship. Um, and, and so they don't really have to go through the console, console manufacturer's to reach their audience. They have more avenues. So Stadia seems like it is an interesting player for sure. But Scott, you were saying, are they the best positioned to uh, satisfy everyone, kind of? I might be paraphrasing, but uh, you said Microsoft might have a better uh, chance. Why do you think that is? Well, first of all, they're, they're, they're neck and neck with um, with Google in terms of their capabilities and their infrastructure. Um, their Azure systems and their backend is strong. It's as strong as anything Google's doing. And so um, they have an extra strength, which is they've been doing video games for a very long time. And Xbox is certainly nothing new. This is Google's first foray into this space. And, um, you know, Microsoft's been at it for a long time. Not only do they have the library, but they have the experience. They have the relationships. They have all of that. Um, and a pretty robust first party development 
thing happening, which Google could build up over time. But, you know, Microsoft's got a bit of a head start in that regard. Sony, even a larger one when it comes to exclusives. But anyway, my point is that xCloud and Xbox combined probably and we don't know enough about it yet so this is me guessing there's a little bit of of speculation and educated uh uh, guessing happening of course yeah yes there has to be because microsoft in my opinion unfortunately did not spill too many of those beans at the actual conference we'll learn more between now and october and certainly moving into 2020 but uh here's what i think that they're going to offer or or i should say this is what i want from them i would like microsoft to be the place where if I want to, I can download that game and play it. If I would rather just browse around and look at streaming stuff, I would like to be able to do that as well in the same service. Um, I think that they are better suited to help a portion, and it's a considerable portion of gamers who don't have that kind of reliability with a broadband connection and would otherwise have sort of a bad experience. So I would feel more comfortable spending my $59 on a game under that uh, under the under the Xbox banner, knowing that I could stream when it's capable, but download if I have to, rather than just be stuck with Google's d- stream only and you know let's hope Comcast plays nice. Mm. Um, there's still yeah. people with lots of caps and other issues that will make that a problem, and so I think that their their approach will give me a, a much more hybrid sort of choice in between i mean it does remove the one advantage that stadia has which is hey no box it's just a controller a tv hey you got another controller already you can use that probably well it doesn't industry. really remove it because if the x cloud works as we expect it to um you'll have that same option if you never want to buy an xbox you can do that um that's a good point yes that's a very good point but this is a nice this is a nice middle ground because I would I would I think I would rather also have a next generation capable super fast thing that I can then download things to and play locally yeah. and 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 to me that that choice is going to be important in this transition. I think the ultimate future is something very much like what Stadia is saying. Um but I don't think we're there yet. There's a lot of factors there and those factors need to align in a way that makes sense financially for people makes sense technologically Mm. for people and we're just not there yet so microsoft i think is offering or will offer something that's a little closer to to, you know bridging the gap and yeah not just going all in on streaming and i think that's why i i was saying i was expecting google to do something more to do something different to get into this industry and uh, knowing that they are not going to have the same um, relationship with gamers, a lot of gamers are a little bit apprehensive of Google because they are known to uh, abandon projects, uh, whether it's uh, justified or not. And um, they don't have the back catalog. They don't have the uh, brand recognition in that world in the same way. So I was expecting them to do something like we will offer, you know, two hours of free time of gaming for everyone, for every game or an hour or half an hour so that you just need to press a button and anyone can jump into the game as they want. And to be fair, that might still happen because their very muddy messaging during that uh, Stadia conference last uh, Thursday, um, just before E3, 
didn't make it clear that in reality, in spite of everything they're saying, the system is really launching in early 2020, not when the uh, Stadia Pro Founders Pack uh, becomes available for those who want to pay uh, more money to be on the service early. This is, by any measure, kind of a beta. So once the service actually launches, there's still a ton of things that they could do to offer that additional um, incentive for people to give it a try. And maybe they're taking things slow, and that is probably a good thing. But to be fair, Microsoft is very well positioned to offer everything that Google could offer, except maybe the accessibility through uh, the, you know, the, the easy findability through YouTube, I suppose. Um, but they have everything and they have the infrastructure. And now that Sony has um, partnered with Microsoft on the infrastructure, it's likely that they will have kind of as many weapons and as as, as much ammo, uh, ammo um, to, to fight on the same terms. Um, yeah. Which brings me to subscriptions. We mentioned uh, a couple of times the fact that subscriptions are interesting. Uh, subscriptions were everywhere during E3. I, I talked about the Ubisoft subscription, which is kind of similar to the EA subscription that already exists. Uh, of course, EA's subscription is only on PC. Um, but the other one was uh, uh, the the other one was Microsoft's Game Pass, which exists for um, Xbox uh, since I think 2015, 16 or maybe a little bit later, and now exists for PC for a super interesting price uh, during the beta. I think it's five bucks. Um, and there's a number of interesting games included in that subscription. But one thing I want to harp on uh, or to, to emphasize is when you and I were watching the conferences, and especially the Microsoft conference, there was a lot of um, games that we were more interested in because of that subscription. Can you explain why that was to, to the audience? Well, I mean, if you're... So <laughs> the idea of it being available as a subscription, you're, you're let's say... Um, sorry, let me back up. Let's say, let's say you're a huge fan of, of EA. EA's got a couple of subscription solutions, one for consoles, one for PCs. They don't have it combined, but they've been out there doing that for a while. And the the power of that is, hey, you get all of our games, and in their case, all the DLC, all the extra content uh, with this uh, subscription. I th I'm not and sure EA does all the DLC and all the... I, maybe for the well, premiere totally one, do. it does. On Origin, yes. they, on Origin, they do. Well, they right, have tiers. Right, the premiere one. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They have tiers, and those tiers give you different things. I did the top tier one when I was playing... When I was briefly playing Anthem. <laughs> uh, oh, that game, what a bummer. Anyway, uh the and that was nice because you know when i went to play i don't know what it was uh dragon age two, uh, three or dragon age inquisition it was like hey here's all the extra stuff too and i was like oh all the dlcs here anyway um that is a a cool way to get take things to a different level with your gaming and by that i mean um like you there, there are certain games under their banner under the ubisoft banner which just announced their subscription as you mentioned and um, Microsoft's got this new PC Game Pass going. They've had the Game Pass on Xbox. There's plenty of games in there where normally you're just like, oh, it's probably not for me. I'm not going to spend 50 bucks to find out if it's for me. 
Um, so I'll just skip that. I know the games I am going to get, so I'll just kind of get those. A subscription, when reasonably priced, which I think all of these kind of are, they open all of that up and go, well, you know, I never did try this game or that game. Now I've got no excuse. Like, I can just try it, and I'm, it's part of my... I'm, I'm subscribing, so I have access to it. In this case, this this really hit home this week for me with uh, Forza Horizon 4, which my Xbox friends have been telling me for years that that series has been amazing, and I just kind of blew it off because Forza, to me, is too simulation and not fun enough and blah, 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 or whatever. And I just kind of pushed it to the side because for me to experiment, I'd have to go buy a console and then buy the game to find out whether I liked it or not. Now, suddenly, it's like, oh, no, it's just here for me to do. So I'll get it, and I'll play it. And you know what? They were right. That game's rad. It's really good. And I'm kind of bummed that I missed out on it, you know, in its in its, in its moment of uh, glory. But uh, I'm in on that thing. I'm going to play the hell out of it. And it's because of this weird thing that this does it's almost like it's kind of like netflix in that sense too because there are plenty of things on netflix uh from them or other people where you're like i don't it's not the sort of thing i would have rented in a movie or in a uh, video store or paid money to see in a theater but because it's here and i'm already paying my 10 bucks a month i'll just watch it and if i don't like it i can turn it off and find something else and i didn't lose a dime you're there's right something, and- there's something to that like that's a very powerful thing i think for gamers especially for those who are just like, hey, a, a small fee a month and I can just come in and come out and go and do and whatever. There's no like real restrictions in here. I mean, there's some restrictions. I shouldn't say that, but, you know, um, just play as you will. That is so powerful. And so that combined with with some of this streaming stuff is a whole other level of powerful because not only are you paying a subscription for those games on Stadia, for example, if you're also in on the... Um, the you play thing now suddenly you have no reason not to just quickly get in and try these ubisoft games that you were always too afraid to try or didn't have the money for or whatever yeah it's just a whole new look it's it's funny because some people might say but well of course you get a subscription and so that means you get the games that you might not have been interested in and that's obvious but the way we were watching that conference and the way we approach these catalogs I think it's it's a little bit different when you actually do it. It's the kind of thing you know intellectually, but it's different when you actually experience it. And during the conferences, a ton of games that we might not have really paid attention to or be, or be interested in, um, being interested in, we we see we saw in a new light uh, because it, they were included in a subscription that we might have uh, uh, gotten. And the the link you're doing with with streaming, I think, has to do a little bit with uh, gamers being very lazy. But it is annoying to have to install a full game um, to give it a try if you have a hundred of them uh, in your subscription. And most of these services has have hundreds of games, uh, you know, one hundred plus games, and sometimes several hundreds. Um, so if you have to install all of them, it is annoying. But if it's streaming, then you can just press a button and start playing. It is a very compelling combination. And uh, again, to get back to Microsoft, xCloud, once it, it launches, um, is going to supposedly include the um, uh, Game Pass offering, we're, we're guessing. And if that's the case, it's going to allow me to try many, many other games that I wouldn't have tried otherwise. I think a few people will think, but... PlayStation Now was doing this already. I think one of the key ingredients of those subscription services is having access to 
all of the games from an enter category or publisher because you need the latest ones to get you in. PlayStation Now has always been a back catalog uh, service, which beyond the uh, technical difficulties that it might have, uh, made it less attractive, even if it does have hundreds of games included. So yeah, the, the streaming subscriptions become uh, uh, not only a, uh, an interesting deal for gamers, but really change the way we approach games. And I think that trend is going to get stronger and stronger as we get into uh, the end of the year with xCloud and Stadia. And then next year, when the next generation is uh, uh, finally announced and, and released. Yeah, I uh, 100%. Like, they need... The, these services, uh, I mean, there's a whole other conversation to have about, well, then how many are too many? Kind of the problem people are having now with, well, geez, do I get Netflix, Hulu, uh, the Amazon Prime Video, an HBO subscription? Like, you're starting to add those up, too, and you're like, man, I'm paying basically cable prices again. Like, why do I just not I, get cable or whatever? Yeah, I usually push back a little bit on those because someone who's not a hardcore gamer will get one subscription and, you know, will be happy with that. And one subscription is, you know, between 10 and 15 bucks a month. And that gives you access to hundreds of games. So I, I think that is a, a, um, a good deal. Hardcore gamers usually buy at least on average uh, over the year, let's say one game a month. One game is 60 bucks. That is four to five different subscriptions uh, at a time that you pay every month. And you can decide to rotate them when you have another publisher that is uh, interested, that publishes a game that you're interested in. So I think I understand the argument of, well, it becomes too expensive, but it's really transforming where you put your money and you're getting, I think, more value out of the same amount of money and even out of less money. So I'm fighting that perception a little bit. But uh, you know what? I'm an I'm gonna I'm gonna flip and say you're right. Actually, that's that's a very good example. And actually, gaming in particular will find it to be a there's a greater value there than there probably is in a in the analog we keep making with streaming video. Mm. Because um, when you buy, you know, if you want to go buy a DVD at the store, you're gonna pay fifteen or less for each disc. That's different. You can come up with a different cost comparison, right? But when mm-hmm. you're talking about sixty dollar games that's a whole new animal when you're only paying 14 a month and you're talking about $60 games and you go through even just one of those a month, like you said, it's a ridiculous amount of savings over time. So you're right. It's just, there's you know, the problem I'm thinking of is more going to be a me problem where I want all of them. <laughs> and I probably shouldn't, I should probably narrow my choices down, you know, and, and stick with the stuff I know I'm going to like, and I probably do that anyway. But yeah. Well, I think um, that's their, that's their goal. They want, they want you to stay subscribed and not rotate out or, or select the ones you want. Ultimately, that's how it's going to be interesting to them. But um, right. yeah, anyway, it's, you're right about this two pronged thing though, just to get back to your original point. These are two, um, in some ways, exciting trends, but they're trends that could fundamentally change how this industry runs. And it's fascinating to watch. And it, and and at the same time, have them try to maintain the equilibrium with the players and give them what players want uh, without disrupting things too much in the way we think we're going to get things is going to be fun to watch. I think players who are skeptical about all of this, um, you know, there's, there's certainly fair arguments to make, but I think I mean, the writing's to- on the wall. 
To, to be fair, the consoles are not going to go... Local machines are not going to go away, or at least not anytime soon. Uh, some people will always want those, but it's going to be supplemental use, or for some other people, just, ex, uh, you know, the thing they the way they do it, but... Um, right. I, the, yeah. the way I look at it, it's a, it's a bit like the... Excuse me, the change from uh, everybody uh, buying games in boxes and discs and having to have discs and feeling weird if you didn't have a disc. And then us all getting used to the idea that, no, this digital world is great. Let's have Steam. Let's have PlayStation <laughs> Plus. Let's have all these. Just I just don't want to. I want to download everything to my hard drives. That's just how I want to play games now. I don't buy discs unless yeah. it's like a some collector's edition. And, it ha- and even then, you really got to convince me. Um, and usually, you don't even. The collector's edition, the disc stays in the, <laughs> in the box forever. Yeah, it just stays in the box and sits on the shelf because you entered the code instead. And yeah. it's all, it's all, we've all moved to that. So, I, I think that's the same move. We're just, yeah. It's just a different, it's a lateral move maybe, but it's the same move and we're all going to be fine. And you I know, think we'll the, 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 the two names, when you say it like that, like streaming and subscriptions, I think a few people are going to go, well, yeah, duh. Uh, but the important thing is what we've been discussing for the past 20 plus minutes, how it changes your perception of uh, uh, the games you approach and your relationship to uh, those games and gaming. And I think that's something that a lot of gamers especially are missing. So anyway, talking about games, we have to talk about the games that we enjoyed at E3. Uh, I decided to um, ask about three games and and stop there. There could be more, um, but, uh, but let's just, if we had to choose three, each of us, over the hundreds that were discussed many of which were new games um which ones scott would you decide are the three biggest games for you uh of the show so far um people are going to be a little disappointed in me because i feel like i'm going with choices that are not the flashy choices um with the exception of one of them i think that the watchdogs legion stuff looks incredible has incredible potential if they can deliver on what they're what they're promising us um yeah so let very- me let me explain um let me explain what it what it is uh for those who haven't been following watchdogs legion is the third installment of a series called watchdogs where uh you're part of a kind of an anonymous uh you know the the computer hacking group collective anonymous uh in a fictional universe where everything is hackable and you hack all the time and it's hack 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 um, and it's kind of an open world type game. Um, think, you know, Grand Theft Auto and you won't be too far off. The third one, Watch Dogs Legion, uh, made a splash at the show because the premise of the, the game, the mechanic, is that you can recruit anyone in your uh, group of hackers. Uh, anyone in the game, any NPC in the game, you can convince and recruit and they become playable um and it's really anyone so you don't have the one hero of the game um all of the uh characters that you see can become part of your group and you play them um which is a ridiculously ambitious premise technically because it means you have to have voiceover for all of them you have different animations for all of them and of course they started with the 
classic video game character of a uh, brawler dude who is going to help out uh, someone else by beating up some of the guards. Uh, but unfortunately, midway through the presentation, that character uh, fails and actually dies. And he's off your team. And so you have to start playing someone else. And the person they go to is a lovely uh, granny uh, feeding pigeons uh, who proceeds to actually continuing the mission and kicking guards in the in the uh, uh, um, legs and shooting yeah. them in the face and each of them have different um, strong points and and weaknesses and and things like that they have different animations so the idea is kind of impossible but clearly they've done it and the the feedback we've gotten is kind of that it it works at least over the one hour demo that uh, people have seen yeah it's uh really neat if they could deliver on all that and there's a lot of questions people have a lot of questions in fact the the more they would mention the cool features the more you your brain would go okay that's it oh but wait what about this because now we're you know mm -hmm. we're applying what we know about how games are made and we know that can't have infinite numbers of unique voices because that's just not practical. So what does that mean? Is there modulation involved for extra characters? Is there a limited amount? Blah, blah, blah. Like all of that stuff is just ambitious. And I love to see them not resting on their laurels and just making yet another um, watchdogs game in the same vein as the previous two. Uh, this, this just really jumped out at me and I'm very excited about that. Mm. And outside of that, uh, there are two other games I have interest in, and they're both on the Nintendo Switch. One of them is coming out in September called Link's Awakening. It's a remake of the uh, an old Game Boy uh, uh, Legend of Zelda adventure, which I think is the best Zelda game ever made. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah, I love it. It's are you I, sure it's, it's, it's not your rose-colored glasses of nostalgia that, that are speaking maybe, here? Maybe. I mean, possibly. I love Ocarina of Time. I love Breath of the Wild with the exception of breakable weapons. Um, <laughs> I like uh, lots of them. Uh, link between time or link, link in time. Um, link between worlds, link to the past. Between worlds was fantastic. Oh it's, my gosh. It's to the past. I think you were, you were. Uh, did I say link in time? I meant links. Yes. I, I've mixed those two up. Anyway, there's so many good Zelda games, but I really do mechanically think that that might be my favorite. Now I I wouldn't if it was still its 2D Game Boy iteration, but because they're taking this into the third dimension and making it look so amazing, that's going to just contribute to an already fantastic uh, Link adventure. So I'm very excited about that, and we'll be picking that up the minute I can download it. Um, and then the other one is also a Nintendo title. They announced it at the N Nintendo Direct. Uh, it is Animal Crossing New Horizons, which is the next in the mainline Animal Crossing games. Uh, for those of you out there who may have played the recent-ish uh, Animal Crossing um, mobile game, it's nothing to do with that. This is its own thing based on the long-running series. And I am a giant fan of those games, and I could not be more excited about that game. So those are my three uh, at, at the moment. And, they, and if, if, if it seems a little tame, it's because I think this year was a little tame. Hopefully. Yeah, we, we can talk about that in a second. Um, uh, I, I will say uh, Watch Dogs Legions did make a huge impression on me, and it, it, it is also one of my three uh, uh, biggest things. Um, I'll add the fact that, as you said, it, there's, there isn't infinite resources in games, and so it, it really makes us wonder how they're going to pull it off. Um, 
it, if it's enchanting long enough before we start understanding the systems and peeking behind the, the, the curtain, I think it will be an, an achievement already. Of course, no game becomes stays magical forever or very few because once you understand the systems then it loses its its enchanting quality but uh this could be kind of special the other one um i'm noting here is completely biased i guess that's what i'm asking but it's avengers the square enix games that game that was announced um i'll Suffice to say, it was met with a little bit of a tepid reaction. Um, it wasn't as resplendent as uh, people might have hoped. Um, th- there isn't anything definitive on, on the game. Some of the concerns are um, the the design looks halfway between comics and the movie. So it feels like they wanted to go uh, with the likenesses of the actors, but couldn't. So they did something a little bit different. I don't quite subscribe to that idea, but I can see that it could be the case. Um, And then the gameplay they showed was not um, spectacular. Uh, And we also don't know if it's a single player experience or a a multiplayer experience, uh, a game as a service. Actually, we do know there's going to be a little bit of the first, and then it's going to focus on um, a game as a service type uh, uh, experience, which I'm all for, but they didn't give us enough details. And the few details we had were not convincing. So we don't know enough, but let's say I'm not um, convinced that it's going to be a home run, which is too bad because I love the Avengers and I love the MCU. And, I, and it's this is not the MCU, just to be clear. Uh, but I love Marvel and there's a huge opportunity here. I won't say they have squandered it quite yet, but I think it was a home run, an easy home run that they didn't achieve, which makes me a little bit concerned. But uh, yeah, I'm exactly yeah. where you are on that. Or otherwise, that may have been my third pick. But um, I, there's just too much. There's too much I don't know about how that thing plays. And word from the show is mixed. Uh, I just need to know more before I mm. can call that one. Yeah. Um, last one for me is Doom Eternal. Um, the the follow up to 2016's Doom, which was kind of a reimagining of what Doom was uh, back in the day uh, in a modern setting. And uh, I mean, with modern tech for tech for for a game um eternal i expected to be more of doom which it is but it's also different and uh uh interesting enough that i i actually am eagerly awaiting that game um i have to confess i loved doom 2016 it was an incredible game and it seems like this one is going to be not just you know additional levels as sequels sometimes are to an extent, but uh, bring enough new tools and mechanics that it's going to recreate the excitement that I had when I started playing Doom back then. So, yeah, yeah, I'm very excited about this one. Um, Yeah, I am as well. I I Easily in the top five things I saw there that looked great in some ways, it's like, okay, of course they're making a sequel to this thing. But what I've heard since from some uh journalists on on site is that it is incredible mm-hmm. and that they've taken so much from the previous games and built on it in ways that are so smart that it doesn't feel like it just oh more of this and that's all it is uh that they've really gone they've taken great pains to take it into new areas um you know that's kind of vague even on its own but i 
I'm very excited about what that may mean. I'm very yeah. excited. Um, all right. So I think that's going to be about it. Before we close off the show, um, you mentioned E3 was not, I can't remember how you phrased it, but you said it wasn't, you know, the best E3 ever. Uh, what's your overall feeling about uh, about that uh, year of well, E3? I think it's, I've come to, uh, I've come to a, a happy place with it um, where it started a little rough for me. Um, I, like I've said to you before, and this is probably good for this particular audience. I went into this one thinking this was the transition year. This would be the year we'd see Microsoft hardware uh, for the next generation. We'd see their new controllers. We'd see games running on that hardware. We didn't get that really. Um, they claimed Halo Infinite was running on it, but it didn't look that great. So we didn't really get any of that. Uh, Sony's not even there. And what we know about Sony's next console, we've heard in fits and starts and not really any sort of official way. Well, I mean, it's sort of official. Yeah, it's certainly. There, it's not yeah. Like it was, wasn't a fancy presentation or anything. Um, and it occurred to me that, oh, right, this is the long tail of this generation. It's next year that's going to be off the chain. And by off the chain, I mean, you know, potentially new experiences on new hardware, like that's going to be your big year. And so I just had to reassess my expectations and push them forward 365 days. And so in the being able to do that and then look back at what happened this week, uh, it was still happening, I suppose. I have a more realistic view of it now. Um, I think it's fine for what it is. And there are a lot of great games being shown. And we are in that stage of cool games coming out. Everybody looking forward to a front loaded uh, spring with every release ever of a lot of amazing games and some pretty incredible stuff by this fall. And, you know, this is a really great time to be a gamer hundred percent. It's just not the hype machine that it will be next year. And it'll be, it'll be insane next year. Assuming, mm. you know, assuming E3 continues to be the place where this, you know, hot, hot light shines for, <laughs> for the big hype, but uh, well, you know, assuming that is true, then we're, we're going to see it next year for sure. Whether it is at E3 or not, uh, it will be next year that things really get started. And you're right. I think uh, everyone expected Microsoft to kind of get an early start on all of this because Sony wasn't there. Um, but it probably wouldn't have been that smart, which is why they didn't do it, because they would sell you on the hype of a system that wouldn't be available for a year and a half. So you would, you would be left with your hands in your pocket going like, okay, now what do I do? Instead, they tried to push um, Game Pass and other uh, uh, things like that, like xCloud, which are going to be available much sooner or are already available, including some of the games. So I'm kind of in the same boat as you are. I'm, I'm a little bit happier about this iteration overall, maybe, but... Um, the 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 knowledge that we're going to get the real start of the next generation which might be the last uh generation because things just evolve in the in the cloud after that right um yeah. it, it's it's enhancing my enjoyment of, of this one it's like the the dessert of this generation and the appetizer for the next one at the same time in a weird way so uh not knowing that next year is going to be uh, the big one is kind of getting me excited strangely for for this one as well so yeah and the and knowing that there are new services to take advantage of now uh like on the pc for Uplay and for microsoft's uh pc game pass like those are my two favorite things to come out of the show probably overall right. because now I get to really dive into those spaces in a way that I haven't before and do it on the, the relative cheap. So yeah, like a hundred percent agree with you. It's a, 
it's it's a uh, it's almost more exciting because now we've got this anticipation for what's about to hit mm-hmm. and i and i kind of just needed to flip my perspective on that and, and it wasn't hard to do once i kind of realized oh it's one of these years what am i thinking mm-hmm. um and my expectations changed and it's all good now and so i'll happily be playing rad games on my on my switch and my pc and my ps4 and and all this throughout this process and watching it all kind of come together and then you know let's see who gets my big money next year i don't know mm. my guess is everyone <laughs> all right well that's gonna be it for this episode of mvgb thank you for being with us before we leave scott where can people find your work online uh frogpants.com you'll find all my shows including the two or three gaming shows that i do patrick and i do a world of warcraft blizzard focus show uh on the weekends as well so you can catch that uh but if you're looking for general gaming stuff you can find me on the core show or on a little show we call boop b-o-o-p all of it at frogpants.com and you can interact with me in real time at twitter.com slash scott johnson <laughs> for me it's twitter.com slash not patrick uh facebook and instagram as well and uh my gaming show is called pixels just go to your podcast app search for pixels and add it and uh, the latest episode is actually scott and me going even deeper into e3 so if you want to hear about all the games because many of them we didn't mention here um if you want to hear about all the games all the announcements all the excitement keanu reeve being breathtaking uh all of that just go to pixels actually core and um uh, boop are also hosting that episode i believe um that is true But uh, yeah, so go to either of those, uh, any of those, and you will get a much deeper look into E3 and gaming. And um, if you just want MVGB, just stay subscribed and we'll be back in uh, about a month for another episode. And of course, you can subscribe to DTNS, which is the daily tech news show hosted by Tom Merritt, of which we are both uh, uh, contributors. And uh, that is kind of a sister brother show to this one um which i hope you enjoy as well thank you for listening to us thank you for uh uh, being with us on that journey through e3 2019 and we'll talk to you again in a few weeks